my tradition, th- th- this Sunday is kind of one of those time between times. You know, we finished Hebrews last week. The story starts next week. There's like a floating Sunday in there. What am I going to do? I, what we would normally do on this Sunday each year is just remind you what we believe God is calling us to do. You can call it um, a vision reminder or whatever it is, but today I just want to push back into that a little bit. Because it can be tempting to think that our vision is simply, well, we just have to be a growing church. You know, don't we have to just build some a nice new building? Don't we just have to have a good kids and youth program? You know, a really good worship experience? Those things are really good and really important for a healthy church. Uh, and I fight for them and I love them, but they are just elements of a bigger purpose that Jesus asks of us. And we really have to constantly go back to that and just say, what is the purpose of the church? That's why it's important for us to stay, to stay focused, to keep the mission Jesus gave to the church you know, cent- central, a central pillar. He's actually really clear and has given a job for us to do. The very last thing he told us before he left earth, and ascended, he said, make disciples. And you've read that passage many times, and I think you've heard it not just from me, but from all your pastors and preachers and whatever over the years, but we have to keep coming back to this. We've got to remember, because he's the boss, he's the king, he's the one we're following. So let's just check it again in Matthew 28. He told his disciples... I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because he has the authority to tell us, (laughs) go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given, given you. And be sure of this. This is a great promise to help us with the bit he just told us to do. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's three key things in there. And and they bring some clarity into what what our key purpose is as a church. You know, go and make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey, to be like Jesus. And you'll note, Jesus didn't say go and make converts and just leave it at that. Because we can be a bit guilty of that sometimes, I think, as a church. This is important. He wants disciples You know, the question I think we have to ask is, well, what does a disciple look like? Well, if we go back to what Jesus said, they they obey the commands that he gave us. In other words, they're, they're, they're real followers. They're all in. They're not just people who say that they're disciples. They're not just church attenders. They're not morally good people only. You know, they're transformed people. The people who look like Jesus more and more and more each year. If you look back in your life, if you're a follower of Christ and you go back a few years, I hope you can see something in you. That's, that's changed over that time because that's what a disciple is. Paul gets straight to the point in 2 Corinthians. He says, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. 
which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So what is our purpose? To make disciples. Who, what is a disciple? It's one who is being transformed to be like Jesus more and more and more. Maybe the question is, can I see change in my life? Maybe the question is, can others around me see it? That's a good question. Have you ever asked anybody that? Hey, I've been following Jesus now for 10 years, 20 years or whatever it is. Can you see changes in me as I've been discipled and transformed? This is what we're about. Making a disciple is transforming lives. From someone who, who doesn't know God, all the way over there, you know, whose life is not surrendered to him, not acknowledging him, to all the way on the other side, someone who loves him and is being transformed to be just like he is. And there's a journey, isn't there? From one side of the stage to the other. Throughout life. This is what we're about, in case you're not sure. I'm not saying that we're perfect at it. I'm definitely not saying that we've arrived. I'm saying this is where we're going. This is what we do. And you know, this, this four-part statement over here that we keep on the, the wings of our, of our stage to remind us every single week, I think that they kind of capture the essence of this. If you're at the back following me on the camera, I'm about to head this way just to give you a heads up. <laughs> Some lights too would be great. Glorifying God is why we do this. Because, you know, Jesus, he said, I'm about doing what the Father wants. That was awesome. What the Father is willing for me. This, so we do the same thing. You know, these other three things here are for, are for this reason here. Everything we do, even the thoughts that we have, they bring glory to, to God. We embrace people because that's what, who, what Jesus did. You know, we want to be like him, don't we? So we didn't just say love people, but even though that's what we're doing, we wanted to use this word embrace because it's like an action thing. I know love is an action, but it kind of gave a picture that all people, we actually want to, we want to embrace them. It doesn't matter whether they're walking with God or not, whether their life's messed up or not, it doesn't matter. Embracing people, that's what Jesus did, and so we do too. That's one of our purposes. It's the mission we have. Plant seeds, this is the go bit, you know. Go. It's, again, it's an action. We say plant seeds because we're trying to break it down to something that's achievable for everybody here. Because we don't expect you to be like a Billy Graham and an evangelist or, or, or even a pastor on the pulpit or at, on the stage on a Sunday. We're just planting seeds. And God, and God uses that terminology throughout the Word, doesn't he? Planting seeds can be just telling people about what God has done for you. Planting seeds can just be acts of love. Someone else might water it. We pray that God will grow it. And we're making disciples. That's what I'm talking about today. Transformed people. Not just converts. Transformed people. We're doing all four of those things all of the time in every ministry in the church and in our own personal lives. This is what we're about. And God has gathered us to make disciples in this northwest part of Brisbane. But to actually do that takes a combined effort of every person he sends here. You know, it takes a unity of purpose. We all have to say, yeah, I agree to this. This is what we're, we're about as a church. See, I believe God has sent you here for that purpose. Yes, to worship with other Christians. Yes, to be discipled and to be transformed. Yes, to have community and to make friends and for your kids to have friends and likewise be discipled. Absolutely 100% yes to all of those things. But he's also sent you here to put your gifts to work for this purpose, to take what you've received from him and to give out to others. 
He definitely hasn't sent you to hills to only be on the receiving end, although, of course, that's going to be part of it. We want you to receive, but all of us here are here so that our combined gifts and combined effort can fulfill that calling to go and to do what he's commanded us to do. The modern church, I just think sometimes it can be in danger of turning into too much of a spectator sport because that's what we love in life. We love going to the cricket and the football and things like that and being the spectators. And, well, I don't think the church should quite be like that. You know, with us all standing in the, sitting in the stands and watching a few people on the, on the field. It shouldn't just be another thing in life that we consume. The church can also fall into the trap of doing nothing to answer the call to go. It's so tempting to just work at making things really nice and comfortable for us here. We can do the good music and we can do the good preaching. Hopefully, you agree with that. We can do all the good stuff, the good programs. We can have good coffee. We're getting to that bit. (laughs) It's coming. And we can have a nice car park. That's coming too. We can get a brighter projector. That's going to come too. And all those things that we love and plan to do. But we must stay focused on the fact that There's a bigger picture and a bigger purpose for us. There's a hurting world all around us, and Jesus calls us to work together to reach that world. You know, us people who are being transformed. Well, Jesus cuts to the chase in Luke 19 about us as his followers, and and I'm going to apply it to the church today. And And he's got some words to say when we don't respond to his call and his command to invest into his kingdom. So let's read it together, Luke 19, today's scripture, and we're starting at verse 11. It'll be on the screen behind me. So the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. In other words, they all thought he was moving into Jerusalem. This is the moment, you know. Romans are going to get dealt with. The kingdom that we've been praying for is about, we've been waiting for, is about to happen. He, and he's basically saying, This isn't about to happen, but there's another story here for us as well. He said, A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then returned. Before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I am gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want you to be our king. Verse 15. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. And he wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with this little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared, your own words Condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. I mean, not today he wouldn't have, but you know what he means. (laughs) 
Then turning to the others standing nearby, the king ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. But master, they said, he already has 10 pounds. That yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Interesting, isn't it? According to Jesus, you know, he asks us to invest into his kingdom. And it seems that he's not very pleased when, when we don't. Who here knows that investment takes risk? Yeah. Some do. That's good. You know, when you invest in a, in, in a, in a property or the share market or... Um, if you invest in a business, there's risk involved, isn't there? If growing the kingdom is making transformed disciples, maybe we could summarize this passage we just read to mean, to mean this. A church that is willing to invest into the kingdom and in faith is willing to take a risk for the growth of his kingdom by putting what God has entrusted them to work, will please God and be trusted with more in order to invest even more again for his glory. On the flip side, a church that isn't willing to invest, and remember, an investment means there's always going to be risk which requires faith, not only will have very little to to show in return, it seems that Jesus is saying, I'm not even going to trust you with that little anymore, since you're not doing anything with it. But someone over there is. So I'll give it to them. So what are we investing? You know, what are the resources, you may ask me, that, that, that you're talking about here? The simple answer is that it's all that God has given us. It's our spiritual gifts that's an important one. What if we don't use them? God's given us a gift. Use that for me. Use that for me. Use that for me. I don't do anything with it. I think this passage is saying, I, oh, I might take that away and just put it over here where someone will. It's our natural talents. It's the resources he's provided. It's our finances. It's our connections. It's our networks. It's our wealth and possessions. It's our, it's our musical instruments. It's even our cars and homes. It is our businesses. It's our intelligence it's our experience and our qualifications. It's our love and care and empathy that, that Christ puts inside of us for others. It's all that a collective mass of people bring to the table to achieve God's mission together. And that's why he brought us together. One of the reasons anyway. All of those things are represented in the parable by, by the money, in my opinion. And, and all these things he can give and he can take. And you'll notice that each servant in the parable actually received the same amount. But the king was still pleased even if the returns were different. So long as there was returns. Actually, in Matthew, the same parable has some slight differences if you ever compared the two. In particular, the three servants received, in, in the Matthew version, they, re they received different amounts at the start. And I think that that's, and it even says there that they receive their amounts according to their abilities. I think that's actually a good little lesson as well. We, we, we can be given different things or different amounts with the expectation that 
we should return, you get a return from that in proportion to our abilities. God's expectations on us may not be the same. One returned tenfold, one returned fivefold. He was pleased with, with both of those. The key was they put to work what God had given them. I think this is called stewardship, good stewardship. I actually think the church doesn't always understand what stewardship is really about. You know, we, we conservatives, we love to be frugal, you know, in ministry and church. Ooh, that, that budget balances, yeah. You know, don't be too risky with that. If there's more, a bit of extra money in the bank, we're admiring that, you know, don't be too crazy. Don't take too much of a risk. I propose that good stewardship in churches, and, and particularly in eldership boards, is probably a slightly different approach. I'm not talking about reckless spending or spending on the wrong things. I propose budgeting in faith and investing into the church for kingdom growth and outreach. I think that's good stewardship. I think believing that God has given us things that we should use and multiply, and as a result, he's going to provide even more. Our elders here do that, by the, by the way. They, they're, they're being careful, of course, but they look ahead in faith. Let me give you an example from outside of Hills Church. A pastor I once knew was paid for just one day a week in a small church of about 40 people. And they had about $100,000 in the bank. And, I, and he went to his board one day and he said, look, let's do this properly. God has given us these funds. I propose I work three days a week and we'll get an assistant pastor two days a week and we're going to do outreach focus and we're going to do what we believe God has called us to do. And the board said, no, that's reckless spending. We're only going to pay you one day a week because we get some interest off that and it helps us pay for the school hall that we meet in and things like that. And so they didn't do that. And they dwindled and they dwindled and they dwindled and they, and they shut the doors on that church. You see, see the problem there? Their fruit was thin to, to, say the, to say the least. Two years later, another pastor who wanted to start a church in that area talked to our denomination and thankfully they'd kept that money aside for that area. And they said, here's your seed money, $100,000. And they paid him full time and they got some helpers and they invested in equipment, and they did outreach, and that church is still there today, and it's growing, and it's vibrant, and they've even bought their own building now. The key point, I think, is crystal clear. The servant that took no risk and did nothing with what God gave him to put to work actually had it taken from him and handed to someone else, someone who would put these things to work. And it's not always about money, by the way. And I think this is what happens often in ministry. This is what happens in churches. When we do nothing, when we don't take a risk to reach and, dis and disciple people, I just wonder how God views the things that he has given us to do that and what he's going to do with that. And maybe we wonder why churches sometimes grow cold and slowly die. I feel like God is saying, come on, put what I've given you to work. Have some faith. Take a risk. The kingdom is worth it. Put your faith in me. Because he's asking us to, after all. And I'm, again, I'm not talking about doing something reckless. I'm not talking about wasting funds on vanity projects or putting resources into the wrong things. 
You know, I'm not asking you to fund car washes for staff or anything crazy like that. I'm not talking about those sorts of things. But there are many churches who have invested in a lot of great kingdom building opportunities and God has blessed it and trusted them with more. You know, I think of John Lewis and, and Nexus Church. They took a risk and started a school. And look, it's just an amazing school now, isn't it? For those of you who go there, you may not agree right now, but you will one day, I promise. You'll see that it's an amazing school. You know, I think of the old Methodist denomination in this country started Wesley Mission, and it's all around the country now doing a fantastic job. I think of City Point, who started a Christian university. I think of Teen Challenge and Compassion and World Hope. Those three were all started by one person who wanted to see, not the same person, but three different people who wanted to see people lifted out of poverty and addictions, and they took a big risk with what God had given them at the time. It wasn't much. And things exploded, and their ministries are all around the world now helping tens of thousands of people. Yes, okay, it takes a certain kind of personality sometimes and, and gifting for those kinds of organizations, but God knows our ability. And so according to the parable, particularly the one in Matthew, he says he's going to give you according to your abilities. He knows that some will give bigger returns than others. He's just asking us for that return. His main concern is, have we invested what he has given us according to our ability, according to our capacity? Is that return there? Is there fruit to show? Are we willing to exercise faith and take a risk? On a quick side note, I'm not saying just because a church or a ministry is growing that they're healthy and doing the right thing in all the right ways. You can be big and growing and being unhealthy, but that's a sermon for another day. You can be growing... And not following God's will. I get that. I completely acknowledge it. But I am saying that according to Jesus, he's looking for us to continue to invest in the right ways and to work for the right fruit for him because we love him. Because we're committed to him. Because he says to. You know, sometimes it just comes down to that one. Because he says so. And since this is a, a Sunday where I want us to think about our purpose and where we're going, this is what I see for us. Why we need to take risks in faith. Because I see us being more and more of a gathering place in our neighborhood. This is why we're designing this property to be exactly that over time. To be a place where the people in Everton Hills and Everton Park and McDowell and Arana Hills and, around and, and wider even there's a place for them together for lots of different reasons because this can be a place that offers care and compassion and healing for one. Not just on, I'm not just talking about on a Sunday morning. I mean throughout the week because there, there's a place to have good coffee. Yeah, that's a good reason to go and together because there's a place for the kids to be. A gathering point. The third thing is that I see this place, I see Hills Church being more and more a place for teaching and transformation. And I'm not just talking about on Sunday morning. I'll be really honest with you. I love preaching, but I know it probably doesn't bring a lot of deep transformation in your lives. Where that happens is where you follow the spiritual disciplines and get spiritually fit. That's often where transformation happens. I see this place as being one where the kids love being here. And I reckon they do. Do you guys reckon they do? Kids, do you like being here? 
No one moved. <laughs> no, they do. I know they do because they invite others. I see that more and more. I see kids inviting their parents to church on Sunday. I've heard that a few times of late. I see a vibrant youth group and, and a vibrant young adults group, you know, being discipled, being salt and light in a world that's really tough to be a follower of Jesus in through strong discipleship. I see a men's ministry that connects men's, men together and I'm excited for what Gordon Kelly's got in store for the men's ministry this year because they want to serve those in need as well. I see a church that loves to worship, you know, that we're known for it. I see a church that goes deep in their discipleship, as I've already said, deeper into discipleship, into that transformed life. I see Alpha that runs back to back. I can't wait for that day. Instead of me saying, term one in whatever year, we're going to do another Alpha, it'll be like, that Alpha finishes, that Alpha begins. And I see someone that we as a church are willing to perhaps employ to do that, not just Alpha, there'll be an outreach type pastor. But I think that we need to run them back to back. I really have a vision for that. I really hope we can get there. I see church planting in our future. Scary thought. But we're, we're becoming more and more spread out. We, we do have a, a lot of people from this local area who, who worship here, but there are people driving further and further now. I think there could be an opportunity down the track. I see a church that's growing and training a new generation of leaders and missionaries. Isn't that exciting? You know, I can see a time when we're doing college classes here at Hills Church instead of having everyone to drive all the way over to the south side or I'm sick of doing them on Zoom, I don't know about you guys, but you know, we'll be here in person doing Bible college classes here, training up new leaders. I see a time in, in the hopefully not too distant future where stage two of our property development kicks off. There'll be more spaces for community groups. There'll be more spaces for us to do these things that we often talk about. We, we already run um, marriage courses and parenting classes and, and we want to get back into doing budgeting um, courses and, and addictions recovery and all those sorts of things. We've started some of them. The others have been on the agenda now for a little while. We've got to get there soon. Stage two is going to help us with that. I see an awesome playground for our neighbourhood to use, for our, the kids that live around us to come to. I see a, a, like a men's shed type deal in, the, in our future. I definitely see a culture of love and grace and boldness and compassion and servant heart leaders. And I hope you can see these things too. We're not really in a hurry. I'm probably not that kind of really highly gifted leader that's going to get us there like really quickly. But we move forward. We don't go backwards. We don't sit still. You know, I know my, my capacity. I know our capacity. Maybe we're not the first servant that produces the tenfold. And we could be, but we could be that second servant who produces the fivefold. You know what? Still good and faithful. I'm not saying don't shoot for the stars, by the way. I'm just saying... We, we do something, we move forward. Perhaps some of this vision that I'm sharing this morning, you know, it's for the next generation even. But I plan to lead us to keep pushing in. I plan to lead us to take appropriate size risk and investment into the kingdom in faith. I plan for us to remain humble. I plan for us to stay focused on Jesus. You might think this 
is in conflict with recent messages, you know, about we should, how we should have a slowdown spirituality and those kinds of things that I've been talking about. You know, let's not overwork and, and have everyone over-serving. It's not in conflict. God doesn't call us to burn out, but what he has gathered, the reason he's gathered this large group of people together is because we all do it together. We all do our part in it. It's not just a handful of people doing the, the, the hard work. We all do it together. There is more to this vision that I want to leave with you today. And I, and I think this might be one of the most important ones. I see a church that is known as a praying church. And I've just made a little video for you to, just to wind up this message today that I want you to watch now. Church, I've got something really important I want to talk to you about. February is going to be our month of prayer and fasting. And I really want all of you to be in, involved. This isn't just another event at Hills Church. This is something that we all need to be part of because Jesus was really clear. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And so I just think that that has to be a reality for us. We're going to get involved and we're going to do that. This is a time for us as a church. You know, together we're going to enter into the throne room of God and bring our praise and thanksgiving, but also our petitions to Him. I want us to do this together as a church. Because when we pray, God moves. It's as simple as that. When we pray, we'll see lives changed. I think we can even see our community changed around us. You know, if all the churches, I think, gathered to pray more often, we would see change in our cities and in our countries. So I'm calling on every person, if you call Hills Church home, the February month of prayer and fasting is for you. When it comes to fasting, I want you to think about one thing you can give up for the whole month. You know, maybe you like Netflix or Disney Channel or, or, watch, or looking at YouTube or using social media a lot. Whatever it is, just pick one thing and stay away from it for the whole month in February and spend some extra time in prayer. Spend some extra time with the Lord. I think you'll find it to be something really special for you. It could be the start of something new even. But you know, praying doesn't have to just be sitting with your eyes closed. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just can't do that for very long. I've got to get up and, and moving. So I want to uh, give you some ideas. You know, when you go for a walk, that can be your time of prayer. It could even be with your spouse or with a friend. You could pray together, walk the dog, whatever it is. Spend that time praying to the Lord. You can pray even when you're driving from one place to the other. You know, this is an eyes open kind of time to be praying. But we spend a lot of time in our car, don't we? Instead of listening to, to the news, we could spend that time in prayer. You could find a special place in your home where you can just be by yourself, away from everyone else, and it's quiet and you can be really listening to God. You can even pray when you're looking after your kids, when you've got little ones, perhaps, yeah, it might be a bit noisy, it might be a little bit crazy, but the ones you love the most are right in front of you. So why not use some of that time praying over them, praying for their future? I think it could be a really good and blessed time for you, for you to do that. The priority though is gonna be Wednesdays because on Wednesdays, I'm gonna ask you to consider fasting from food. Don't have breakfast, don't have lunch. Instead of doing those two things, 
you know, just for 10 or 15 minutes or however long you want, spend some time praying. Make a little list of things that you want to pray through. And then we're going to gather. We're going to gather Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. together. We're going to spend some time in praise and worship, but we're going to spend some time praying as well. That's a normal thing for you to, for us to do as Christians, as a church. We need to be praying together. On week one, we're going to be spending some time in praise and worship and thanksgiving. In week two, we're going to be praying for Hills Church, for the ministries of Hills Church, for them to be more effective, for us to really know what God wants us to do. In week three, we're going to be praying for our community, for our city and for our nation. In week four, we're going to be lifting up the names of your family and friends who aren't walking with the Lord. We're going to name them to God and we're going to be asking God to uh, or for them to encounter Jesus in, in a special way that they would know his love. It's going to be a really special time. And then when you get home after that prayer service, you can break your fast and have dinner. I'm asking everyone to be involved. You know, I would love to see you every week in February on, on every Wednesday night, but I know that may not be possible. So can I just encourage you, just pick one. If, if it's just one, please come along one Wednesday in February. I want to see this place filled with Hills Church family praying together. It's just for 45 minutes. Kids are welcome. The parents' room will be open if you need it as well. Look, lastly, I know that maybe for some of you, you can't even pick one. It just, it won't be possible. And so my, my request to you is pray at home with your family. When 6.30 comes along, TV off, family gathered in the lounge room or around the dining room or, or whatever it is. And even if it's just for five minutes or 10 minutes, pray with your family. If you've never done it before, what a great time to teach them how to pray together. I promise you'll be blessed and your kids will learn something amazing that they'll take into life. So come on Hills Church. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Let's make it a reality. I guarantee you, God's going to respond. It's going to be awesome. If you missed at the beginning, I said February. I said it very quickly, but that's what we're doing. February is a month of prayer and fasting, and uh, I'm excited for it. I really am. Let's be the good servant, church, the ones who invest what God has given us back into his kingdom. I think he's also given us an invitation to come to him and pray at any time. Imagine what he wants to do with that. Imagine what he wants to do with that. Would you stand with me as a sign of agreement that together we're going to say yes to what God is calling us to do? And I'll pray for you and with you. God, I thank you for Hills Church. This morning, Lord, it's spread out. There's some here and there's many at home. And yet it's still your church. The church is your people. It's definitely not this awesome building we're in. And so, Father, I thank you that you've gathered us together for a purpose and for a reason. Firstly, Lord, I pray for that, the discipleship to be a reality here at Hills Church, Lord, that there would be deep discipleship, that it would be, yes, renewing of our minds, where we would know you more, but it would translate to our hearts and into who we are and how we live, for that transformation to happen. God, I pray that for your church here. 
I pray, God, that we would also take seriously your, uh, your calling and your great commission to go to all those around us, Father, even if we're just praying for an opportunity to, to say one thing about you. Lord, help us to plant those seeds and to plant them liberally, to scatter them around. Lord, we want to do that in our actions, in our words, just through, through our normal daily interactions, God. Lord, I, I pray that uh, we would be that loving church we've been talking about the last few weeks that embraces all people. No matter where they're at, whether they're, they're accepting your word or not, we embrace them, Lord Jesus, God. We want to really bring you glory. We want to bring you glory, God. I, I pray that that would be us, that we would be that servant that says, well done, that you say, well done too. Lord, we thank you for what you have provided for us. Help us, Lord, to um, be good stewards of all that we have, our, our gifts, our talents, our finances, everything, Lord, that we have. We give it over to you, Lord. I pray you multiply it. I pray the Lord, that we would be effective in administering your word to this community that, that we love, that you love around us here in, on the north side of Brisbane, God. We pray for that. Lord, we're praying for more people to to encounter you through the ministry of this church. We ask for it today, Lord. We pray, Lord, that many will be baptized. We pray, Lord, that many will have lives changed. We pray, Father, that that, that, that word will spread amongst their families and their friends, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, for healing in your church. We pray for healing in this neighborhood around us, God. We pray, Father, uh, for this vision that we've shared this morning, that it will have your blessing over it. Unite us together, Lord, in that purpose. You were at the center, Lord. It's all about you, Lord Jesus. The cornerstone. Amen.